Good evening. I hope everyone is doing well. We're in the second part of our series, When Life Gives You Lemons, and we're looking at what you should do whenever you're going through life, uh, trying to do what's right, and hardships seem to come out of nowhere and kind of blindside you. Uh, what do you do whenever you're uh, trying to do the right thing, you're trying to follow God, and discouragement and disappointment uh, kind of sucker punches, uh, sucker punches you right in the gut? and leaves you uh, gasping for air. So um, I remember early in my ministry uh, being called to a struggling church that needed some guidance and some care. And uh, they came through some hardships and I felt like God was calling me to come and bring uh, some healing to them. Uh, I already had experienced God's blessing where I was. So I thought, hey, this will be great and I'll come in. I'm gonna love on these people and we're gonna do some great things uh, together. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, within just a, a few weeks um, of arriving there, I already began seeing uh, people uh, getting upset. There was some division uh, taking root. And I had moments where I just would go into my office and just close my door and just cry out, uh, you know, God, what are you doing? Why are you allowing this to take place? And uh, uh, really kind of struggling with some things that uh, were, were coming about there. And it, it came to uh, what I call... Uh, a why me moment. Why is this happening to me? Why, if I'm trying to do what God wants me to do, why are why are things so difficult? Why is it not going the way that I feel like God uh, wants things uh, to go? And so I'm sure that some of y'all have been there a time where you found yourself at a difficult difficult spot uh, where you felt like you didn't deserve what was going on. You felt like um, uh, you weren't sure what uh, was supposed to happen next, and you had that kind of why me uh, type of uh, experience. Uh, and so if you have been there, if you've experienced anything like that, then I'm glad that you're watching this because uh, that's not an uncommon uh, experience for people to have. I want you to know uh, how to respond in those moments because either you've experienced it or even if you haven't experienced it, you're going to experience it at some time. And so I want you to be prepared and know uh, how to uh, properly handle those uh, type of situations. And the wonderful thing about God's word is that uh, he, he he's very open and honest about struggles that we encounter in life. Many of the godly uh, people throughout scripture have encountered many of these experiences and God lays it all out on the table for us to see and to learn from those experiences. And so we're going to look at the, uh, a moment in the life of an incredible man of God who went through one of these uh, why me moments. And we're going to glean at least three practical things that uh, you can do to make it through those trials and come out stronger on the other side. So if you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19. And this comes from the life of the prophet Elijah. He has just experienced an incredible display of God's power. Uh, King Ahab in Israel has been following his wife Jezebel and has instituted idolatry throughout the land. And all of Israel is uh, worshiping uh, Baal. And it seems like Elijah is the only one speaking out against the ungodliness that is all around him. And in a moment of uh, confrontation, uh, Elijah tr uh, challenges uh, the prophets of Baal to a competition. Whoever can pray and uh, have fire fall uh, from heaven and consume the sacrifices, that person's God is going, going to be considered the one true God and be worshipped throughout all of Israel. So the prophets of Baal, they spend all day uh, cutting themselves and praying and dancing around this altar and trying to work their hardest to get Baal uh, to burn uh, this sacrifice. But ultimately they fail. And then Elijah 
uh, he steps up and he prays to God and immediately this fire falls down uh, from heaven and consumes the sacrifice, consumes all the rocks around. And then everyone is just amazed at what has just happened. And Elijah seizes that opportunity and orders the crowd to kill the prophets of Baal right there on the spot. Now, I imagine if I were Elijah, I would be thinking, finally, I've worked for years and years and years and preached and proclaimed and prophesied to the people to turn away from their sin, to turn away from Baal, and to begin worshiping the one true God of Israel. And now finally, the nation has seen who God truly is, and now they're going to turn back to him. This was a great victory, and it seemed like revival was about to sweep through the land. But then we pick up in chapter 19, verse 1, and God's word tells us this. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So Jezebel hears what has happened as she flies into this incredible rage and she vows that Elijah is going to be killed within 24 hours. Now you would think that Elijah would uh, say, you know what? Big deal. God has just rained down fire from heaven. He's just consumed the sacrifices and proved that he's the one true God. And we've destroyed uh, the prophets of Baal. So what can you possibly do to hurt me? But the thing is, Elijah is more like you and me, and uh, we see in these next few verses that this threat of death scares him witless. Notice what it says here in verse 3. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life, and went to Bathsheba, and, uh, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Now, Elijah just ran, ran as far and as fast as he could. He didn't just run a little ways. He, we see later on in verse 8 that he runs all the way back to Mount Horeb, which is also called Mount Sinai, where Moses uh, received the law of God. And just to give you a better appreciation for how scared Elijah was and how far he was willing to run, here's a map of Elijah's journey. And you'll see that it begins all the way up towards the top of Israel, and he runs all the way down into the wilderness until there's nowhere else uh, for him to run. Now, uh, if that doesn't communicate just how afraid and discouraged Elijah was, look at what he says to God here in verse 4. He says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die, and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Here, this great man of God who just experienced an incredible ministry success that anyone would be marvel uh, would marvel at, and now because of this the threat of this one woman, he runs with his tail tucked between his legs and prays that God would kill him. Uh, the fact that he prays for death tells me that Elijah wasn't really afraid of death. He's not really afraid of Jezebel killing him. I believe more than anything else, he's discouraged and he's depressed that after everything he's done, after uh, such an incredible display of God's power, there's still idolatry and people are still rejecting his message. He's just frustrated and he's discouraged and he's depressed that he's worked and worked and worked and he's ministered and he's poured his life out for these people and he's poured his life out uh, for the people of God uh, and for his kingdom. 
and he has nothing to show for it. It seems like everything has just been pointless, and he's just ready to uh, to just die, just be done with it all. And so, uh, listen, if you live for God and strive to do everything you're supposed to, and there's, uh, I want you to know there's still going to be hardships. There's still going to be times where it seems like you're accomplishing nothing. There's still going to be times where you're discouraged and you just want to throw in the towel. But before you do that, I want you to see just how God ministered to Elijah and brought him through this. And I believe that there's a timely word uh, for each and every one of us in our moments of discouragement here as well. Notice what happens here in verse 5. It says, Then as he lay and slept under, under the broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank, and then he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because your journey is too great for you. Now, did you see what just happened there? Elijah was extremely exhausted, both physically and emotionally, and probably spiritually as well. And so the first thing that God did for him was allow him to rest and to nourish himself. Elijah slept and he ate. Now, how great and how amazing is that? Sometimes we want to just over-spiritualize things and we want to uh, make uh, uh, these big uh, faith filled acts that we're supposed to do. And sometimes uh, the most spiritual thing and the most godly thing that we can do is just rest and to take care of ourselves. I know that there are some people who tend to burn the candle at both ends and they just run themselves ragged and they say it's all for the glory of God. They just do and do and do. And it's hard for them to ever just slow down and stop and to enjoy the presence of God, to just enjoy times of rest and peace that he gives us because there just seems to be so much to do. I just want you to know that God is not glorified when you abuse the body that he's given you, which is his temple. After all, this is the reason he's given us the Sabbath and, and we need to rest, replenish ourselves. You know, the world is going to keep on spinning if we rest. You know, God's ministry is going to keep on going if we take some time to rest and recuperate. And so don't feel guilty. Don't feel ashamed that you take some time for yourself. That's what Elijah needed to do here. You know, I heard a pastor uh, one time say that he had a hard time resting because there was always something that needed to be done and he felt selfish if he ever took a break. But eventually his health got so bad that he ended up having to go to the hospital and he was stuck in a bed for weeks. And then finally, while he was in, this, in his bed, and he couldn't do anything but just rest and read his Bible and pray. He finally confessed that he believed that God was forcing him to take all those Sabbaths that he had neglected for so long. Don't, don't fall into that trap. Don't think that uh, God's ministry revolves around you and that uh, he needs you to do anything. God does not need me and he doesn't need you. He allows us to partner with him. And so God wants us to sometimes just rest and, and be at peace with him and to recuperate before we go back into the task that he has set before us. Don't feel bad if you have to take some time for yourself. Some of you are on the verge of burning out if you don't take some time uh, for rest in your schedule. Um, I say make time, not just take time or, or find time, because you'll never magically just find time. You have to schedule it. You have to make time for this. Uh, you have to see this as something important, and you have to protect it against the demands uh, that the world is going to place on you. 
I see that this is particularly true of mothers who are among the most prone, I believe, uh, to harm themselves uh, physically, emotionally, and spiritually by doing too much for too long. And so I just encourage, if you're a, a mother uh, and you're watching this, I encourage you to take some time for yourself. I know that it's hard and it seems like you, you don't have any time from the moment you get up in the morning to the, to the moment you lay down at night. There's always something to be, uh, to be done, but you need to take some time for you, for the sake of your family, for the sake of your marriage, and for the sake of your relationship with God. And husbands, if you're watching this, you need to protect that time uh, for your wives as well. You need to take time to watch the kids to help enable her to take some time for herself. You'll reap the benefits if you'll make sure that she takes time uh, to take care of herself and to rest and to re uh, recover from the demands of life. So the first thing I want us to remember uh, when life discourages us and, make, uh, and throws difficulties our way is that we need to take time to rest and to recover. That's what uh, God encouraged Elijah to do, and I, that's what I encourage each of you to do as well. But notice what happens next with Elijah. In verse 8, it says, So he arose, and he ate, and he drank, and he went in strength, uh, of the food for 40 days and 40, now, 40 nights as far as Herob, uh, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And so he said, I've been very zealous for the, uh, for the Lord God of hosts and for the children of Israel uh, uh, have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am, le am left, and I and they seek uh, to take my life. Okay, so real quick, I want you to see something important about Elijah's response here. He is brutally honest with God at this point. He doesn't clean up his words. He doesn't. He doesn't take any time to to praise God or give uh, Thanksgiving or anything like that. It's just straight and it's to the point. He basically says, "I've worked really hard to the point uh, to point this nation back to you. Uh, they don't listen and they don't care. I'm the only one who's following you, and they want me dead. So just go ahead and kill me now." So here's what I want you to remember. When discouragement comes, not only should you take time to rest and to recover, but you should be open and honest with God. That might seem like a very simple and rather obvious statement, but I, but, um, in my conversations with people, I've seen that time after time, people have a hard time of just being open and honest with God. There are many people who seem to feel like they need to put on a holy face uh, when they're talking to God. They seem like they uh, need to have special uh, sanctified words and always be upbeat and full of faith. But listen, if you look throughout Scripture, especially in the book of Psalms, you'll see uh, some of the most godly people express uh, incredible doubt and discouragement, and even anger at God sometimes. Um, and the amazing thing is that not only is God not bothered by that, but it appears that oftentimes he prefers us to be brutally honest with him. After all, he already knows what we're feeling. He already knows what's in our hearts. He already knows what we're thinking. He simply wants us to bring all of our mess to him and to sort it out with him. And so I encourage you, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're struggling with, whatever uh, thoughts you're trying to grapple with in your moment of discouragement uh, and depression, I just encourage you to take that to God. He's big enough and strong enough and loves you enough to work through that with you. Just bring it to him and, and he will bless you in and through that honesty. That's exactly what God does here with Elijah. In verses 11 and 12, God brings a strong hurricane-like wind that almost tears this mountain apart. Uh, but God's not in the wind. 
And then there's this terrifying earthquake that shakes the entire mountain, but God's not in the earthquake. <clears throat> and then if that wasn't enough, then there's this wildfire that breaks out, but God's not in the fire. And then lastly, there's this still, small voice that speaks to Elijah. And the prophet recognizes that that's the, uh, the voice of God, that God is there in that still, small voice. Now, <clears throat> that might be really strange how Elijah uh, experiences the earthquake and the hurricane and the fire and all these things. And it kind of seems out of place. What is God trying to do there? Uh, but as I prayed over this and as I really uh, saw what God's trying to teach Elijah and really trying to teach us uh, in that moment, <coughs> excuse me, is I believe God is trying to teach Elijah that uh, people oftentimes think that God is in those Mount Carmel type moments of the fire and the earthquake and the storm. But really, more often than not, God is in the everyday small voice that speaks to our heart and speaks to our mind. It's not in the, the revival, uh, crazy, uh, um, uh, super spiritual moments of life that we often find God. More often than not, he's in the day-to-day -day moments where he's whispering and talking to your heart and to your mind and speaking uh, his truth and his guidance to us. And so he's, I think what he's trying to do as he's trying to encourage Elijah, listen, don't don't worry that you just had this uh, Mount Carmel uh, experience and no one listened. Listen, as great as that is, <clears throat> what God is really at is he's in the day-to-day -day moments uh, with Elijah, with uh, the other people that are worshiping God during this time. And so don't get discouragement when you have these mountaintop experiences and then you have to go back into the valleys. God is even in the valleys as well. And so I think that's uh, the message he's trying to speak to Elijah there. And then God goes on and he talks to Elijah and he says this <clears throat> in verse uh, 15. He says, go return your way uh, to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, Anoint Azael, the king of Syria, and you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nemish, the king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shebat, of Abel of Melar, uh, uh, and you shall anoint uh, as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever passes uh, the sword of Azael, Jehu will kill him, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill him. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Now here, here's what I want us to see in our last few moments here together, is that the final thing I want to leave you with is that our moment in our moments of discouragement, uh, we need to gain a proper perspective. That's what God is really trying to teach Elijah here in this moment. He brings the storms, he brings the fire, he brings the earthquake, he brings all that to help him see where God truly is. He's in the still small moments, those day-to-day -day moments. And then he says, you need to get up, Elijah. You've had your moment of rest. You've had your moment of, of regaining perspective. Now you need to go back. There's a mission, there's a task for you. And you need to anoint these people who uh, once you step off the stage, these people are going to take what you've started and they're going to continue it and they're going to finish what you have begun. You won't see it finished, but God is still working. And so gain this proper perspective. I know that sometimes when we're in those moments of discouragement, it seems like our pain is just right here in our face. And it seems like uh, the obstacles are just right there in front of us and we can't see what's going on, what God's doing around us. And God is trying to tell us, just like he's telling Elijah, that we need to kind of step back and see that God is so much bigger 
and he's in so much more than than we actually see and we just need to trust in him now listen i know that there are some of you who are discouraged there are some of you who are watching this who are, are frustrated who life has thrown you some some hardships and some trials and it's taking you in a direction you didn't think you would go. You feel like maybe you're spinning your wheels and you're trying to do the right thing, but it seems like time and time again that uh, it seems to be going nowhere, that you take uh, two steps uh, forward and then three steps back. But I want you to know that just because uh, you're going through these hardships, don't think that God has forgotten you. Don't think that you are, are not right uh, still in the center of his will and that he is working things out for your good and for his glory. Listen, just in the past few weeks, depression, anxiety, and stress have been on the climb uh, throughout our country, and it's understandable, but don't lose the perspective. Listen, God is good. He loves you with an indescribable love, and he's working on your behalf. So I just want to encourage you, take care of yourself. Be sure to rest from the hardships of life. You are doing a great work, uh, both in your home, out in the community. I know that God is using many of you for his kingdom and for his glory. I, I, I'm so uh, proud and excited of what God is doing in each of your lives. But be sure, as important as your work is, take time to rest. Take time to just spend with your heavenly father. Take time in prayer. Take time in his word. Take time to fill up your cup so then God can take you and pour you out in the lives of those around you. If you don't take time for yourself, you won't have anything to give to those that God wants you to minister to. And so be sure to take time to spend with God and to refill your cup so that you can go out and minister to those that God has placed within your sphere of influence. And be honest with God. Listen, we have times of great encouragement. We have times that we are full of faith, but we also have times where we don't know the answer, where we're frustrated, where we're maybe angry at the world, or sometimes even maybe angry at God for either uh, allowing certain things to come into our life or not answering certain prayers. Listen, God knows it. God understands it, and he loves you anyways. And so he wants you just to come to him and pour out your prayers, pour out your frustrations, pour out your discouragements, and work through that with him. See those times as not uh, as times that you are distanced from God, but as times where you can be drawn closer to God. Bring all of that to God in an open and honest way and watch him bless you and for you to gain a better understanding and relationship with your Heavenly Father. And then lastly, again, take time to gain perspective. Listen, I personally gain a better perspective when I read God's Word, when I, I go to His Word, and it seems like there's always a timely word, a timely illustration, a truth that He wants to apply to my life. Sometimes it's something that I, I don't even uh, recognize that I need, but then as I go throughout the day, I, I encounter things and I encounter struggles and trials uh, where that word that I, uh, that I got from God's word earlier on in the day uh, applies in a just beautiful way to my life. And he encourages me and helps me uh, see things. Sometimes he uh, uh, gives me that perspective uh, when I talk with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes he brings someone into my life who, uh, unbeknownst to them, shares a word with me, shares a thought with me that just ministers to my heart and ministers uh, to my life and helps me see things in a better or maybe just a different perspective. And so sometimes he speaks to me that way. Or sometimes it's just as I 
uh, am out um, mowing the grass or working out in the garden or just going through life and just uh, attentive to God's presence in my life, that he helps me gain that perspective I need. So I don't know how God speaks to you, how he gives you that perspective, but I just encourage you to be attentive to him and the, and the encouragement and perspective and the word that he brings to you uh, throughout life. And so I hope that our time uh, this evening has been a blessing to you. I, I, I'm praying for each and every one of y'all. and I'm looking forward to us coming back again uh, next week as we continue our study. I hope this has been uh, beneficial as we look at how to interact with uh, some of these uh, difficult moments in life. And uh, I hope that you'll take what we've uh, talked about here this evening and go and apply it uh, in your life in the days ahead. Uh, be uh, prayerful, be uh, meditate, uh, meditate on these things, and I know that God will use it in a great way in your life. So until then, uh, take care and God bless.